ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستهديه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهد الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا praise be to allah we praise him we seek his guidance and forgiveness whomever allah guide none can misguide and whomever allah leaves astray none can guide besides allah we bear witness that there is no one worth worshiping but Allah and we bear witness that Muhammad is his last prophet and messenger. Prayers and peace of Allah be upon him, upon his companions, upon his followers and their followers till the day of judgment. Ameen. Servants of Allah have the taqwa of Allah. That is, be aware that Allah is watching everything that you do. So do not do except what makes Allah happy. Have the taqwa of Allah. That is, be aware that Allah hears everything that you say. So do not say except what makes Allah happy. Have the taqwa of Allah and do not die except on the state of Islam, the state of submission to the will and the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Amma ba'd, yaqulu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fi kitabihi al-kareem, mukhatiban nabiyahu al-mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, fayaqul, faqsus al-qasasa la'allahum yatafakkaroon. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a clear order in the Qur'an. To Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he said narrate the stories O Muhammad to your people why so they can learn and think and contemplate about these stories what are the stories that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered Prophet Muhammad to narrate to us every single story in the Quran the stories of the prophets the stories of the people the stories any story in the Quran and amazingly if you do some estimate for the stories in the Qur'an, you'll find one-third of the Qur'an is made out of stories. Do you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would waste one-third of His holy book just for entertainment? Do you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would put one-third of His book in stories so we can just read it and see the events happening without thinking, without applying? Definitely not. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ In every single story in the Qur'an, there is a lesson for us. There is a practical application that we can apply in our lives from learning from these stories. Especially the stories of the Prophets. These Prophets, peace be upon them all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make them an example for each one of us. If you are wealthy, mashallah, rich, good successful businessman, you will learn from Prophet Sulaiman how to be a very wealthy man at the same time, servant and good worshipper to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it happened that Allah tests you with some disease, some illness, you will learn from the story of Prophet Ayyub how to be patient and how to be still a good servant and worshipper to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even if you are sick or ill. When we learn from the story of Prophet Nuh how to be patient to achieve our goals. We learn from the story of Prophet Ibrahim and his son Ismail how the relationship should be between a father and his son, the dialogue between a father and his son. So these stories are not just for us to read them, but for us to learn from them. One of these stories, all of us know it, all of us read it, all of us heard about it, is the story of Prophet Yusuf each one of us, I'm sure, one time in our lives, we read the story of Prophet Yusuf, or we saw a movie about it, or we read a book about it. And the Qur'an used that story in one surah, Surah Yusuf, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it and narrated it very beautifully, to the point that none of us will get bored reading it again. We'll be even more happy to read it again and again and again. But again, this is not just for entertainment. There are lessons 
and practical applications from this story that we can benefit and apply in our practical lives. And that's what we're going to try to do today, inshallah, in this khutbah. It's impossible to get all these conclusions, all these benefits in 30 minutes. So we'll try to conclude some of the points and some of the lessons that we learn from this story and the rest is on you. When you go home, read it in a different way. Read this surah in a different way. Try to conclude lessons and apply it in your life. We start with the family level. There are so many beautiful lessons in the story of Prophet Yusuf for us to learn when it comes to our family relationships. For example, the story starts with a beautiful incident, a dream that Prophet Yusuf is having. A young teenager having a dream and he's puzzled by it. He's bothered by it. He doesn't understand what is that dream all about. He went to his father. My father, I've seen this dream. This dream is bothering me. Help me. He seeked the advice and the, consul, and, the, and, and the consultation from his father. A lesson for every single teenager and youth in our society. If you want to look for an advice, if you want to look for a counselor, the best counselor and advisor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided for you are your parents. It is so sad that our youth and teenagers, they don't like to go discuss with their parents their issues. They don't like to know, to go ask them questions and ask for their suggestions. Even if you're freshly graduate or newly married, you have those two advisors that they know better than all your friends. They have more experience than all your whole lifetime. They love you and care about you more than anyone else and Allah provided for you. Go and ask them for an advice. That's your job as a father to teach your children to do that. Teach your children if they have an issue, come and talk to us. Come and get our advice. Now on the other hand, look what Prophet Yaqub did. Prophet Yaqub did not tell him, go play with your brothers. Did not tell him, don't waste my time. No! He actually sat down with him and he listened to him and he gave him the advice what to do with this dream. The biggest complaint I get from the youth, I deal with the youth on a regular basis. The first complaint I get from the youth, they tell me, my parents don't have time for me. My parents don't listen to me. If I go talk to them, they'll yell at me. And that's completely the opposite of what we want you to do. When your son or daughter come and talk to you and they tell you, mom, I'm having a problem at school. Leave everything and sit down with them and listen to them what they're saying. If your son comes to you, brothers, and they tell you, you know what, I'm having some issues at work, I did something wrong, don't start yelling, don't get angry, listen to them, see what exactly they want to say. Don't let them, don't discourage them from coming later in the future and telling you what they are facing at school or in their work or any other place. Be an open, have an open mind to sit down with your kids. If your son comes and tells you, I'm having this, turn off the TV. Put the newspaper on the side. Turn off your cell phone and say, yes, what can I do for you, my son? The same thing for the sister. Turn off the stove. You can eat half an hour later, no problem. Sit down with your daughter and say, yes, what can I help you with? And if they come to you with an idea, it happened to many of you. Your son, a teenager, will come to you with a sketch and tell your father, look, I can invent a plane. The normal attitude of parents, don't waste your time. What kind of nonsense is that? Go do your homeworks. What if you just killed an, an, a talent in this kid that he might be the inventor of the future? When your daughter comes to you and she told you, look, I wrote a poem. Sit down with her. Don't tell her, don't waste your time. She might be the writer of the future who's going to be right on the first page of LA Times defending Islam, not attacking like the people who are doing it. Don't kill those talents by not paying attention to them. Spend time with your children when they come seek your help or your assistance. That's the second lesson that we learn. 
A third lesson. And by the way, you notice that I'm not telling this story here. I'm just giving the lesson because all of us know the story. If you don't know the story of Prophet Yusuf, I encourage you to go read it. It's Surah Yusuf in the Quran. The third lesson that we learn on the family level is how dangerous it is to discriminate between your children. Look what the brothers of Yusuf did because they felt that their father is loving their brother more than he loves them. They even got, tried to kill him or tried to get rid of him. Don't discriminate between your children. Don't think that's something that they don't pay attention to. They might not do anything right now, but later on, when they're adults, after you die, they might not talk to each other because of stuff built up since they were kids, because you treat the brother better than the sister, or because you treat the older, the first son, better than the second son. Don't discriminate between children. Be fair. Prophet Muhammad wasallam, a man came to him and told him, O Prophet of Allah, be my witness. I'm giving this gift to one of my children. He said, how many other children do you have? He said, I have 10 more. He said, did you give to each one of them the same gift? He said, no. He said, I'm not going to testify falsehood. This is falsehood. This is evil. That's discrimination between children. Please don't discriminate between your children. You will create problems in the future between them. The fourth lesson that we learn on the family level. Something called Silatul Rahm. An Islamic term. It means to treat your relatives in a good way, even though they are treating you bad. That's the definition of Salatul Rahim. Look at Prophet Yusuf, what did his brother do? They got rid of him, they, they, they abused him, they threw him in the well, because of that he became a slave, because of that he went to prison, and so much hardship he went through because of his brothers. The minute they came and said, we are sorry, I'm not going to blame you. And he treated them in a good way. That is the definition of Salatul Rahim. A man came to the Prophet والسلام, and he said, O Prophet of Allah, I have some relatives. I treat them good, but they treat me bad. Should I keep Salat al-Rahim? Should I still in good terms with them? Prophet Muhammad وسلم, said, The person who wants to do Salat al-Rahim is not the one who's rewarding his relatives because they are nice to him. That's a reward. That's, you're being nice to people who are nice to you. But the true meaning of Salat al-Rahim are treating those relatives, uncles, cousins, uh, neighbor, uh, uh, fathers, parents, children, grandparents, nephews, niece, that treat them in a good way, even though they are treating you bad. That is the true meaning of Salat al-Rahim. It's so sad to find out a brother who does not talk to his brother because his wife said something bad about his wife 10 years ago. It is so sad to find a cousin, he tells his children, don't play with your, cousin, with my, with your cousins because they are on a lower social level. That's so sad to find in the Muslim community. And Salat al-Rahim is among the most priorities in our religion. So that's another lesson we learned from Prophet Yusuf salam. Another lesson we learn when it comes to family issues is how much the father loves his children. Prophet Yaqub, he lost his first son Yusuf. And he cried. And he lost his second son. And he cried. And he cried so much to the point that he became blind. Do you know that your fathers and your mothers love you that much? A lot of us don't pay attention to that. A lot of us don't care about our parents. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفٍ Do not complain, do not make your parents unhappy even by just saying, off. And that's your job as a parent, to teach your children that. It's the father's job when they're sitting down at dinner to tell, them what, to tell the children, don't complain about the food. The mother just spent three or four hours cooking it. If you don't like it, just be quiet because you're going to hurt her feelings. 
The same thing for the mother. She tells her children, when your father buys you a piece, pair of shoes, a, a pant, a, a t-shirt, don't say it's out of fashion. Don't say it's ugly. Don't say I'm not going to wear this because your father could have bought something for his, himself, but he chose to buy it for you. That's how we should teach our children to respect uh, their parents. Yes, there is nothing wrong in teaching your children to respect you as a father or a mother. That's your job actually. You need to teach your children to do that. So our parents love us so much. And Prophet Yaqub cried when his children far, went far away. And I'm telling those young brothers who are finishing high school and applying for colleges out of states, far away from home, they can wait until they move out of their houses. Yes, your parents might be helping you packing when you go to college, but do you know how bad they feel the minute you leave the house? When the sister is getting married, yes, everyone's celebrating the wedding night, the parents are happy, everyone is celebrating. But the minute you go home and they go back home and you're not there, they're going to cry because you left the house. That's how our parents feel. Now even us adults, we have to take care of our parents. Especially if you reach a high level in society, in business, in profession, in education. And that's another lesson we learn from Prophet Yusuf Prophet Yusuf at the end of the story, he became the most powerful man in the land of Egypt the treasurer, and he was the most powerful human being in the land of Egypt. He can rule anything in the land of Egypt. The minute his parents walked into his palace, what did he do? He elevated his parents on the same level of his throne. He did not allow himself to sit on a higher level. In other words, he did not make his parents feel that he is better than them. And that's a mistake a lot of us adults are doing nowadays. A lot of us don't pay attention to the feelings of our parents. You become a successful doctor, a successful businessman, a successful professional. You start treating your parents as if they don't understand anything. And you forgot that they are the one who taught you how to read and write. They're the one who taught you how to eat. They're the one who taught you how to go to the bathroom. You need to learn how to respect them. There are two beautiful scholars give us a beautiful example how to treat our parents. Imam Shafi'i, one of the biggest scholars in the history of Islam. He says, I never ate with my mother from the same plate. Why? Because I was so worried. I'll grab the piece of food that she had in her mind, she's gonna take it next. Did you get it? He was so worried about her emotions and about her feelings that he does not want her to feel bad that he's gonna pick up the piece of bread or meat or fruit that she was planning to pick up next. Look how sensitive he was to his mother's feelings. Imam Abu Hanifa gave us another beautiful example. Imam Abu Hanifa was the scholar of the Ummah in his time. He was the faqih of the Islamic uh, word in his time. People used to travel from all around the world to Kufa so they can ask him a question. His mother had a question about fiqh, about Islamic rulings. She asked him, Abu Hanifa, what is the ruling of so and so? He gave her the answer. Imagine you're a doctor, your mother is asking you about a medicine. You're a computer scientist, and your mother is asking you about simple things like maybe emails or stuff. And you give her the answer. Abu Hanifa gave her the answer. You know what she said? I don't trust you, Abu Hanifa. I don't trust you, Abu Hanifa. The scholar of the Muslim word, his mother telling him, I don't trust you for a fiqh question. And your mother is going to look at you always as you're her baby. If you reach the highest level of the society, you will still be looked at, you're her baby. What did Abu Hanifa do? Imagine yourself in his position. I went for all this schooling, people traveling from all around to ask me, and you don't trust me? No. He said, whom do you trust, mother? She said, I trust Sheikh so-and-so. And that was not a true Sheikh. He's a person who sits down in the masjid and says stories. He does not know anything about fiqh. You know what he said? 
He said, let's go. He took his mother and he went to that person. And he walked to his house and he said, brother, my mother has a fiqh question. He said, your mother, Abu Hanifa, coming to ask me, why doesn't she ask you? He said, I gave her the answer, she doesn't believe me. He said, what is the question? He gave him the question. He said, I don't know the answer. He gave him the answer. And then he asked his mother to walk in. His mother walked in, asked the question. He answered exactly what Abu Hanifa told him to answer. She looked at his son and Abu Hanifa and said, now I trust you, Abu Hanifa. What did he do? I told you so? You made me drive all the way here for nothing? You made me come all the way here? No. Alhamdulillah. Let's go home. That's how we should treat our parents when they are reaching an older age. You know the famous verse that we teach our children? All of us know and we enforce it on our children. Have you noticed that this verse is for us adults, not for children? If you go a few sentences before, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? When your parents are old, do not tell them off. Us adults, when our parents are old, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that they might interfere in the way you raise up your children. They might interfere in your marriage. They might interfere in your business. They might interfere in the way you run your family. They might bother you in a way or another when they reach an older age. Their mental capability is not as strong when they were young. That's the true test. Do not complain. By simply, even by saying, oof. That's the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I, I, I give you the advice. If your parents are still alive, change your relationship with them to the better. Look at the brother next to you who lost his mother last year or last month. He will say, I wish to spend five more minutes with her to kiss her hand. Who lost his father? He will tell you, I wish I would spend one hour with him to hug him, to talk with him. If you still have that chance, don't waste it. Because Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Let him humiliate himself in disgrace and loss. The one who had the chance to live with his parents, yet they were not the reason for him to enter paradise. Go back to your parents and give them all the love that you can. If they passed away, make dua for them. Pray for them. Donate on their behalf. Reach their friends and talk to them. That's part of the sunnah of Prophet Muhammad and his teachings. These were some of the lessons that we learned from Prophet Yusuf when it comes to family matters. Let's move to the society level, social level. Prophet Yusuf gave us so many beautiful lessons in his story. For example, the story of chastity, of iffah. All of us know what happened between him and the lady of the palace. She tried to seduce him over and over again. She locked the doors. She even chased him. So he, she wants him to commit uh, uh, zina, adultery. And he ran away from her. And every time she invited him to do something, he said, he will hold himself so tight. And then he will say, Oh Allah, I'd rather be in prison than being seduced. That's a lesson that we need to learn, especially our younger brothers and sisters, those who go to colleges and high schools. Wallah, I feel bad for you. I, I feel with you. I, when I go give a, a, a lecture in a, a high school or a college, I, I, I don't know how these brothers and sisters are doing it. Fitness all around. Haram is all around. Doing, people doing wrong things right and left. For those who chose to stay strong and keep their iffa, keep their bashfulness, I tell you, you're just doing what Prophet Yusuf did. And inshallah, we'll be rewarded for that. But look for another lesson that we learned from Prophet Yusuf. When he told this lady that I cannot do anything wrong, he mentioned another reason. He said, my, your husband is my master. Your husband took care of me when I was young. I cannot betray him. Loyalty. Loyalty, brothers and sisters. 
Something we don't pay attention to. Look at those who did something good for you in the past. Your teachers, the scholars who gave you lessons, the people who changed your life, the, you, you, your father-in-law who took you until you look, marry my daughter. I don't need anything from you right now. When you, if you're an immigrant, when you first came to this country, who is the first one who took your hand and tell you to stay in his house? Who gave you his car to drive around until you are okay? Do you still call that person? Do you still make dua for that person? Or because now you're rich and alhamdulillah everything's fine, you don't, you don't need them? Loyalty, wafa. Don't forget those who did something good to you in the past. This masjid, how is your loyalty to this masjid? Do you support this masjid? Do you stand strong behind this masjid and this, society, this community? Because they did so much good to you. Another lesson we learn from Prophet Yusuf السلام, is the importance of da'wah. We need to make da'wah wherever we go. Even in his prison, he was making da'wah. People ask him about dreams. Oh, my friends in prison, who's better, one God or multiple gods that you're worshipping? When we say da'wah, we're saying calling people for goodness. Da'wah is telling people to do good. In your school, in your work, in your neighborhood, if someone is doing something wrong, do da'wah to do something good. Someone smokes. My neighbor, why don't you stop smoking? That's da'wah. Someone cheating in their business, your next door uh, businessman. Why don't you stop cheating? Why don't you? That is da'wah. That's any, any call for goodness is da'wah. Another lesson we learn from Prophet Yusuf is the ability to forgiveness. Prophet Yusuf was living a life of hardship. Yet, he was always able to forgive the society around him. The family that who, members that mistreated him. We need to learn how to be able to forgive others and we need to be able to understand others, each other, especially us in the Muslim community. If my brothers are going through some financial hardship, some family problems, he's going through some stress here and there, and when I'm talking to him, he lost his tempers and he yelled at me. I should be able to take it. I should understand. Who else is going to understand if I don't understand my brother? We need to be able to forgive each other if we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us, this is a good time to ask Allah for forgiveness for us and for those who mistreated us. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullaha li wa lakum fastaghfiru. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله أفضل المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وعلى تابعيهم ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين We continue talking about the stories the lessons that we learn from the story of Prophet Yusuf عليه السلام and as I said earlier this is a long list of lessons that we can pile and 30 minutes khutbah is not enough for that My request from each one of you is next time to read Surah Yusuf, read it in a different way. My advice to you is to sit down once a week, you and your family, for the next few months. You and your children, you and your spouse. And sit down and read this story. And try to conclude lesson, brainstorm, you and your family. What can we learn from this story? Instead of spending three or four hours every day watching TV, spare one hour, you and your family, turn off the TV and sit down in a circle so you can see each other instead of just looking at the TV. And try to conclude some of the lessons that you can learn from this story. I finish my khutbah with a very important lesson that we learn from Prophet Yusuf And that pertained to us Muslims living in the United States. Big time. Prophet Yusuf 
was the only believer in an unbeliever society. And he was mistreated by that society. And he was harassed by that society. And he was oppressed by that society. But the minute that society needed his help, did he stop? Did he make any conditions? Did he refuse? Definitely not. He was the first one to stand up and say, I'm willing to help. I'm willing to benefit the society around us. And that's a lesson for us Muslims living in the United States. We as minority Muslims living among, between a majority and non-Muslims, we need to understand that it's our job to benefit the society around us, to integrate in the society around us. Unfortunately, the Muslims nowadays in the United States are divided into three groups. The first group are those who completely isolated themselves from everything around them. They isolated themselves from the community around them and they shelled themselves and their families in this cocoon and they don't want to get out of it. This way, they give bad image of Muslims. This way, they acted selfishly and they only benefited themselves. And this way, they might created a generation that does not know whom they belong to. I was listening to a sheikh, a Pakistani sheikh who lives in England. He says, we in England, we call the Indo-Pakistani community in America who belong to this group, who completely isolated themselves, we call them ABCD. I said, what's ABCD? He said, we call them ABCD because they are American-born confused daisies. That's what he called them. Because they are born in this shell and they don't go out and they don't interact with society. The minute they go up to the public, they don't know what to do. They don't know whom they belong to. They don't know which to, what are they. They are confused. And we don't want to be among those. And then on the other extreme, there are another group of Muslim, Muslims who completely melted in the society around us, who completely gave up their values as Muslims. They don't come to the masjid. They are in alcohol. They are in drugs. They are in parties. They don't even care about what their Islamic teachings are. For the, I'm sure you know one of them at least. For those, I beg you to go call them for the masjid. Because the, the scenery that we see in every masjid, that someone died at the age of 80 and their children, they don't know where the masjid is. Here, our father was a Muslim. Can you bury him for us? That's the ending. And then comes a beautiful group who comes in the middle, who understood what it means to be positively integrated in the society around us. Those who do not lose their values, do not lose their principles, but they are positively integrated in the society, benefiting the society around us, given a good image and good uh, picture of Muslims and Islam. And mashallah, there is a beautiful organization, uh, or many organizations who are doing that, CARE, IMPACT, AMA, this beautiful uh, clinic, Ummah clinic, they are doing a great job. What are you doing to do the same? What are you doing to do the same? Are you positively integrated in the society? Did you benefit the society around us? So when people say Muslims, they look, think about you and you are doing something good to the society around you? Last week I took my youth group to a foster home and we bought them gifts. And when we were walking in, the sisters wearing the hijab, everyone's looking at us. What are these people doing? We went in with gifts to these boys. We made a positive image. That's your job to everyone around us. Just like Prophet Yusuf taught us. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us among those who understand 
the lessons in the Quran and apply it in their lives. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us among those who listen to the advices and apply it in their lives. Allahumma khfir al-Muslimina wal-Muslimat wal-Mu'minina wal-Mu'minat al-Ahya'i minhum wal-Amwat innaka ya rabbana sami'un qareebun mujibu al-Da'wat ibad Allah inna Allah qad amarakum bi amrin bada bihi bi nafsihi wa thanna bi malaikati qudsi haythu qal inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabiyya ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama sallayta wa sallamta wa barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim fil alamin innaka hamidun majid wa aqimis salah